Book Dreams, a member of the Podglomerate Network and LitHub Radio. Hello, and welcome to Book Dreams, the podcast for everyone who loves books and misses English class. I'm Julie Sternberg, author of a number of children's books, including Like Pickle Juice on a Cookie and Summer of Stolen Secrets, a brand new middle grade novel. And I'm Eve Yohalem. I'm also a children's book author. My books include The Truth According to Blue and Cast Off, The Strange Adventures of Petra de Winter and Brom Broen. I'm excited to say that we have a very fun episode for you this week. We're doing something we've never done before. We're playing a game. We decided to team up with the host of another book-related podcast. The podcast is called Books with Brooks, and the host is Brooks May. And together, we decided to play a game that we're calling You Want Me to Read What? So in this game, each of us chose an off-the-beaten-path book, and we told one of the others to go read it. And then after a couple of weeks, we reconvened, and we talked about the books. But first, let's tell you a little more about Brooks. Yes. Brooks May started a book club in Chicago called Books with Brooks three years ago. It morphed into a book club podcast that does two episodes each month. So everyone reads one book a month, and then the members come on the podcast and talk about the book. So that's one of the episodes. In the second episode of the month, Brooks invites a guest on the show, and they often talk about a bonus book. They're coming up on their four-year book club anniversary, which is incredibly impressive. Anyway, we loved having Brooks with us, not once, but twice. Here's our first meeting, where we revealed our selections, which we'd all kept secret from each other. I went first. Here is what I am going to recommend to you, Eve. Okay. Okay. It is a book by the author of the Sweet Valley High series whose name is Francine Pascal. I have never read the Sweet Valley High series. However, when I was a kid, somehow I got my hands on this author's very first book, which is called Hanging Out with CC. <laughs> and I, I have this, ma- I can see the cover. I have this mass market paperback edition of Hanging Out with CC. And I loved this book. It was like a special little treasure. I don't know fully why. And then I kind of, I forgot about it. And then I was at home in my brother's room. And for some reason, this was when I was in college and he, you know, was college age as well. It was sitting on his nightstand. Have you ever asked him about that? I have not. (laughs) Because we don't shame people about, you know, no, we we don't believe in books for girls, books for boys, books are for everyone. Yeah, no, I love that it was sitting on his nightstand. So I picked it up and I I was like, hanging out with Cece, I haven't thought about this in so long. And I was so excited and I reread it and I loved it again. And then I kind of forgot about it again for decades. And then I saw that it had been re released. Mm. by the publisher. So I don't know another soul who has read Hanging Out with Cece. And I somehow have never really recommended Hanging Out with Cece. So (laughs) I can't imagine why. (laughs) (laughs) Hush now. And so uh, speaking of not shaming, and so I want to know, is it any good? Like, you know, is it just me? So I I have two questions. Okay. The first is, and I'm really, really hoping for a particular answer to this question, is the book called Hanging Out with Cece or Hanging Out with Cece? Okay, I'm going to disappoint you. Uh, it has a G. Oh. oh. 
or two G's, I should say. Yeah, it's hanging out with Cece. But who okay. can say that? It's hanging out with Cece. It's totally hanging, hanging out, out with Cece. And out. then the other thing is, I have yeah. an image in my mind of the original cover. And is it an illustrated cover or is it a photograph cover? Because if it's a photograph, I'm picturing that kind of 70s kind of blurred out, you know, like the cards with the kittens on them, that kind of, mm. is it that? In my mind, hold on, I'm looking this up to see if I can find the old version. I'm picturing like a Nancy Drew, like illustration. Mm. That's what I'm picturing. No, it's one of those ones that like, it's mostly white, but then it has a circle kind of centered, maybe a little top centered. Mm -hmm. And that circle has like a colorized Yes. Yes. Colorized. Yes. I'm also picturing feathered hair and stripes. Yeah, yeah, I believe her hair was feathered. Of course it was. I have a question. Yes. Is this book, is it for, is it young adult or what age group is it? I believe that she's about 14. So it's like young teen. Okay. I cannot wait. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Eve, your turn. Okay. Before I tell you the title, Brooks, I just need to ask you, how are you with things like gore and cannibalism? Oh, into it. Oh, thank God. Okay. I read The Donner Party, a book about the Donner Party, and then I wouldn't stop talking about it for like two years. And everyone thought it was very weird, but I really like all the details. Okay. Then we may have a winner here. So the book I want to suggest for you is a debut novel. It actually just came out recently. It came out in December by Chelsea G. Summers, and it's called A Certain Hunger. Have you heard of it? I have not. Tell me more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Chelsea G. Summers' elevator pitch for this book is Eat, Pray, Love meets American Psycho. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. And I have to confess, I have actually not read this book, so I'm going to be reading it along with you. Um, Oh, yay! But it came highly recommended to me by my son, who is an adult, he's 23, and he just loved it. And oddly, he's a vegetarian, but he said this book made him want to eat meat. Oh my gosh. Human meat? Well, that's the thing I'm really (laughs) curious about. I'll read you the description because I can't summarize it myself because I haven't read it. Food critic Dorothy Daniels loves what she does. Discerning, meticulous, and very, very smart, Dorothy's clear mastery of the culinary arts make it likely that she could, on any given night, whip up a more inspired dish than any of the chefs she writes about. Dorothy loves sex as much as she loves food, frequently traveling from Manhattan to Italy for a taste of both. Okay, so we've already got New York and Italy and food and sex. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. here's where it gets interesting. Recounting her life from a seemingly idyllic farm to table childhood, the heights of her career, to the moment she plunges an ice pick into a man's neck on Fire Island, Dorothy Daniels shows us what happens when a woman finally embraces her superiority. Oh yes. I so. have to say, hanging out with Cece is seeming very changed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also have to tell you that I, when I was a sophomore in high school, we did a band book project and we had to choose a book from like the band book list. And I chose American Psycho. <gasps> I'm very excited. Thank you so much. A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. All right. So my choice, well, I don't want to qualify it, but I am afraid you're going to think it's a mainstream choice, but I don't think it is. And I'll tell you why. So it's actually a collection of short stories 
Oh, and I'm giving, Julie, I'm giving this to you. Yeah. So pay attention. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a collection of short stories by Ted Chang. So the reason I picked this book up is because one of the stories in it inspired the movie Arrival. If you saw that movie that had Amy Adams. I yeah. did. I love that movie. Yes. Okay. It's an amazing movie. It's sort of about like time and aliens and yeah. Yes. So I picked this book up not realizing it was a series of short stories. I thought it was just going to be the mm. movie, basically, Arrival, which I loved. And then I started reading it and I'm like, well, hold on. I'm like, <laughs> where, where do the aliens come in? Right. I'm selfishly assigning this because I have really wanted to talk to someone about this book because some of these stories are so remarkable and they have stuck with me. And the one that Arrival is based on is not even my favorite in here, mm. although it is also wonderful. Like you could make a feature length film about each of these stories. Okay. I'm very... Very excited. You should know that we have fantasized about having Ted Chang on as a guest. Yay! <laughs> but you haven't read this, right? I have not read it. You have given me a gift here. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yes, and I can't wait to talk about it. And I want you to take note specifically of which one, because their stories are very different from each other. I felt like they were almost written by different people. So I'm really interested to see which ones stick with you and stand out to you. Okay, that sounds great. After that, we broke for a few weeks, we read the books, and we didn't talk to each other about them. No, not until we came back together for a recorded conversation, which we're about to play for you. Warning, there are spoilers, lots of spoilers, so beware. Yes. We started with my reaction to the Ted Chang short story collection that Brooks chose for me. Did you like the book? I loved the book. Yay! Predictably, I like some of the stories better than others. And there's one story in particular that I hated. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but they're all really thought-provoking and well-written. And it's the kind of book where you can feel your mind stretching mm. as you oh, read. I love that description. Absolutely, I agree. But not in a textbook kind of way, right? Because the stories are all engaging. They are, yeah. Well, you just brought up a really good point that I hadn't thought about, which is that I really, really like science fiction writing, but there is this trend, perhaps it's always been a, the case with science fiction, but I really noticed it lately where it's like, anyone who writes a science fiction book, they write an 800-page book. Yeah. Committing to reading it is like kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that he does so well, which I hadn't even thought about until you just said that is, I mean, he builds the world so quickly, instantly. Mm -hmm. It feels very real. You feel somewhere completely different, but there are no questions lingering. And some of these stories are really short. Yeah. So wait, tell me which story you did not like. I hated with a burning passion, Hell is the Absence of God. No, really? <laughs> is that your favorite? That was one of my top two, yes. Wow. It just felt so cruel to me. It wasn't oh. that I thought it was a bad story. I just, it felt so mean to me as the reader. Can I interrupt for one second? Yes. Since I haven't read the stories, can you just give a topic sentence about what it's about? Yes. Good idea. Good idea. So Hell is the Absence of God is a, it's like a normal world just like ours, except angels are real and they visit earth and you can see into hell occasionally like the earth opens up and you can see into hell and it looks basically just like earth. 
I guess this is complicated. I don't know. Help me here, Julie. What, oh, how do you topical sentences? Because it's all about what is faith and different characters have different forms of faith. The question is sort of, are they rewarded? Are they not rewarded for their forms of faith? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people get like rewarded by the angel's visits and they're healed or they're blessed, but other people are killed and maimed and like horribly injured when the angels come to earth. And so it's like a matter of perspective, sort of how you think about these angel visits and how that impacts the way you feel about God. Right. And one character doubts God, doubts God, doubts God. And then as he's on the cusp between going to heaven or hell, he embraces God. God was supposed to forgive everything if right before the bitter end, you embrace God. And he does, genuinely, but he goes to hell anyway. Yeah. The thing that felt particularly mean to me (laughs) was not just that he went to hell, but that he forgave God while he was in hell. He was very forgiving of God, mm-hmm. which for some really reason really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was definitely like, yeah, one blow after another. I agree. And it is a very cruel system and a cruel world. And I think that's what he's trying to like comment on, right? Just the cruelness of human existence. <laughs> right. So what was another of the stories that you reread? Oh, I think it's the first one, isn't it? Tower of Babylon. I loved that one. Do you want to explain? So the Tower of Babylon is based on the Old Testament description of the Tower of Babel, which was described as being so tall that it takes a year to climb. And I think in the original story, if a man fell, no one cared. But if a brick fell, everyone wept because it would take another year to to replace that brick. And so in Babylon, folks are building a tower high enough, they hope, to reach heaven. And it takes a very, very long time to climb. And so we have two miners from a different area who are climbing to reach heaven. And they get very, very, very close to the top. And then disaster strikes. But I think it's beautifully written because it's through the eyes of these miners who have never seen the tower before. You're sort of experiencing it alongside them as the reader, which I thought was like a fantastic way to do it. So they go on this journey. You know, it's a quest tale, I guess, to climb this tower and they have to get to the top to mine into heaven, basically. Yeah. And then the ending is super interesting because... When the protagonist escapes from this kind of flood of a reservoir at the very, very, very top where he's been sort of as close as they know to heaven, when he manages to sort of swim out, he ends up on ground in a nearby town. And so he he sort of figures out that heaven and earth are like a cylinder where if it's flattened, then you could have figures on different sides of the cylinder that then end up side by side when the cylinder is put into a coil. Again, it's just this very interesting kind of scientific way of thinking about how earth might be shaped or what God might be doing. Yeah. He's saying like the point is God's genius in the shape of the earth 
But the point shouldn't be trying to actually reach God. The point should be recognizing God's genius in this way. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. What a good way to put it. Yeah. Like recognizing the presence of God on earth. Right. It's interesting. We're talking about two stories that actually connect to God, but I think those are the only two. Yeah, it's definitely not a religious like book with a religious overtones, in my opinion. No, no. But he's obviously fascinated by the interplay between science and religion. He is, yeah. Okay, so should we move to the next book, do you think? Or do you want to talk about one more? No, I think we're good. I mean, unless you do. I'm so glad you liked it, or like most of it, because I felt the same way. And I think this book is totally worth picking up. A hundred percent. I was very happy just listening to the two of you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, now we get to talk about more. I'm also struck by the contrast among the three books that we chose, which was not on purpose because we didn't consult each other, right? But we have this collection of beautiful literary short stories, and then we have Hanging Out with Cece, which is a 70s YA story. And now we have A Certain Hunger by Chelsea Summers, which is about a food critic who murders her lovers and eats them. Oh. <laughs> so, yep. so there's there's a lot to, to yes. compare there. There sure is. Yeah. I don't think I realized that a certain hunger is about a food critic who murders her lovers and eats them. I yeah. know that when you, I, I didn't. That old trope. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I know when you presented this selection to Brooks, you mentioned cannibalism, but it felt more abstract. I, I didn't quite understand what was happening. Well, I didn't understand either because I hadn't read the book. So, and now that I have, I really think the jacket copy misses the mark. It makes it seem like the book is kind of a, a comic romp with lots of sex and gore. And yes, all of that is superficially true, but it's so much more than that. This is one of the smartest, most conversation-provoking books I've read in a long time. Chelsea Summers is a fantastic observer of the human condition. I cannot tell you how many times I read something and thought, huh, yeah, totally, that's right, but I've (laughs) never articulated that before. (laughs) She's also a really masterful storyteller. This book is worth reading just for the craft alone. Think about this. She gives away the ending in the first chapter. Dorothy is a psychopathic serial killer telling her story from jail where she will spend the rest of her life no question of escape or parole. So the suspense is all about this kind of slow and steady build of who this intriguing character is and why she does what she does. And as off-putting as Dorothy is, she is a joy to spend time with. I mean, seriously, what a writer. Well, it sounds amazing, but... Just judging from the topic alone, I mean, it's a risky recommendation. I know you asked Brooks whether she was okay with cannibalism and gore, but you still must have worried. You were both reading it for the first time. And as you were reading it, did you have a question mark in your mind about whether she'd like it, even given how much you obviously were loving it? Oh, my, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I had a flashing neon question mark in my mind. Right, right. Well, I loved finding out her reaction. Here's what she said when you asked about it. Oh, I loved it. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved it. <laughs> so okay, glad. good. Yeah, I thought it was remarkable. I mean, it is disturbing. It is disturbing. Yeah. And there were sections where I was like, whew, okay, like I might need a break. But overall, I mean, it's amazing writing. It's fantastic. Incredible character development. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. 
And I feel like it gave me so much to think about. Mm -hmm. There's so much baked into it. You know, she's in her 50s. And so part of this is about aging as a woman. She's been a food critic for decades. And the job she's always done is kind of becoming obsolete. I mean, I think it's very much a book about mattering or ceasing to matter. Oh, yes. So I'm curious, do you think it's feminist? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think... um, She is a self-proclaimed and I think diagnosed psychopath. Yeah. And she's kind of like, she's, I think, kind of proud of that. And she says, you who call women the fairer sex, you may repress and deny all you want. But some of us were born with a howling void where our souls should sway. And I love that. And so I think she makes this point that like, we always think men are like, you know, more dangerous or like more capable of murder, but there, and then she even goes through and lists some of them like female serial killers or murderer says or whatever. And she's kind of saying like, no, no, we exist too. Like women can also do these really messed up things. Like don't forget. (laughs) And I feel like that's weirdly feminist. It is. And to your point, I had never heard of any of those women, but then I started looking them up and they're all real. Here we are bemoaning. Why can't women get the same recognition as men when they kill lots and lots of people? (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of twisted, which I think, yeah, is a really cool metaphor for this entire book. She is a really strong female character. Oh, yeah. Who's very flawed, who has a lot of depth, but she's also basically without a moral compass and the perpetrator of some of the like most horrible atrocities. But you like her. Yeah. And one of the things I'm wondering about, I want to know your opinion about, is it felt to me like she, um, Chelsea Summers, the author, was very deliberately referencing other stories in this genre. So there's a lot of Hannibal Lecter. She says in her acknowledgments, she thanks Brett Easton Ellis and says she basically vomited him up writing this book. There's also, I think, an Umbert Umbert from, you know, Lolita is in here, even though she's yes. not a profile. But the arch tone, the precision of language, you know, all of these things remind me of some of these other stories. And yet it felt very original to me for all of that. How do you feel about that? I agree. I think so too. I mean, I did find, I found this book to be not an easy read. The language is really complicated. The sentences are very long you get a lot of like independent clauses and commas and run-ons. And I try to always take note of like words I don't know in books. Mm -hmm. And this book had a bunch of them. Tautological is one that I just came across. Yeah. So there are just tons of amazing words and language use that you don't see very often. Right. In books. But I do think that made it like a slow read. It did make it a slow read, but I didn't think it was a tedious read. And her her descriptions are just amazing. And I think yes. what what helps with the language is she breaks up that elevated language with much more direct language. So I highlighted this one sentence. Junk food was rebellion. Rebellion was femininity. Femininity was junk. Adolescence immersed me in an oruberus of desires and it was ecstasy. What choice did I have but to lose my virginity to a fry cook? I mean, like who writes sentences like that? Right. It's amazing. <laughs> it was like jumping in to a language pool and swimming around. Yeah. Yeah. It's very immersive. I think it's a really brilliant book. And if you if you can stomach all the gore, I'd recommend it to anybody who can stomach the gore. Yeah. I mean, I think this book is incredibly well written and beautiful. 
I've continued to think about it every day since I've read it and been really excited to talk about it. Yeah, it is exciting. So the we're about to do the biggest pivot. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say, in the history what, of pivot, what book does not use the word tautological? <laughs> <laughs> is it hanging out with Cece? <laughs> it would be hanging out with Cece. <laughs> <laughs> and my big question, Eve, and I'm so grateful to you for reading this book because having now reread it as an adult, I see that there are flaws. However, <laughs> my, my question to you is. Knowing me the way I do, sorry, knowing me the way you do, mm-hmm. and having now read the book, can you please tell me why I loved it so as a tween and that it stayed with me as it has? Okay. I've. Wait, should we say something about it? I think. Yes, yes, yes. We should say something about it. Do you want to describe the plot or should I? Oh, sure. I'll describe the plot. So, hanging out with Cece is about a 13-year-old girl named Victoria who has gotten into some real trouble at school and has just been suspended. And her mother is furious with her. And she has a very contentious relationship with her mother in the way that 13-year-olds do. She thinks her mother can't understand her at all, but her mother does allow her during the punishment for this suspension to go to visit her cousin for a weekend. So she's on the train coming back. She bumps her head and everything goes dark. And when she wakes up, instead of arriving in Penn Station in the 1970s, which is when the book was published and is set, she arrives in New York in the 1940s in Penn Station. Whoa, there's time travel in this book? There's time travel. I did not expect that. I kind of hated the book until the time travel. Yeah, (laughs) and then her mother's not there to pick her up. It's Because it's 1944. Except that there's a girl who befriends her and kind of takes her in because she's crying and, you know, upset and whatever. And that girl, whose name is Cece, turns out to be the 13-year-old mother. So the mother is Felicia. And this is the mother when she's So Victoria meets her mother- Yeah. And they're the same age. Okay. So I can think of a bunch of reasons why you would have liked this book as a teenager and or as a kid reading it and why it would have stuck with you. Some of those reasons are specific to you. And some of the reasons are just what I think is good about the book. But let's just start with um, Victoria is a worrier. So she's, she worries about every tiny thing. And you as a kid, were a warrior, you might still be just a little bit of no. a warrior. <laughs> so I think there's that, that piece of her that maybe felt relatable to you as a kid, but she is also a risk taker and she does terrible things all the time and says all the things that, you know, we all think, but she says them to people. Sorry, sorry, sorry. One thing I would say is she's sort of a risk taker in a weird way. It's more that she's with a crowd that takes risks. And goes along and enjoys it. It's almost cowardly, I would say, weirdly. I agree with you. It's definitely a peer, pre- a little bit of a peer pressure thing. She's trying to fit in, but she doesn't feel scared when she's in those situations. Right. So she's like making out with boys at parties and smoking yes. a joint and all this kind of stuff. Spoilers. And she's <laughs> not scared when she does it. No. Plus, oh my God, the horrendous things that she says to her little sister and makes her little sister do. I almost stopped reading this time. There are parts of this book that have not aged well. For example, she 
coerces her little sister into stripping off all of her clothes naked in front of Victoria's friends. With no regrets. With no regrets. And they all laugh at her. This was not okay then. It is not okay now. You know, so that kind of stuff hasn't aged well. But she and her sister kind of hate each other. And she says horrible things to her sister and, you know, pushes her. And she's just could not be worse to her sister. And, you know, you grew up with three siblings and I'm not saying that you hated them, but I'm sure that there were times where you were furious with them, but I doubt that you treated them the way no, Victoria no, treated I, No, I just, I read my way through all of that. My sister and my brother fought, but I didn't. But I will tell you, I don't remember that part, which stood out to me tremendously now. I don't remember that from when I was a kid at all. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is she was doing a lot of the things that you would never do. Mm, true. Uh, so maybe that was appealing. And then the other thing is, like I said, I sort of hated Victoria until the time travel. Not only is she horrendous to her sister, she's a spoiled brat. But then once the time travel kicks in, oh my God, 1940s New York, the details were so much fun. The subway cars with straw seats, the movie theaters that had projections of the sky on them, the foods that they were describing. They, she goes for a chow mein sandwich, which she yeah. thinks is going to be Woolworths. discussed at Woolworths. Like, and, <laughs> oh, and, wow. Yeah. And the author, Francine Pascal, has a million of these little details. And also just the mood in, in 1944, the trust. Yeah. An adult offers you a piece of candy on the subway and you think nothing of taking it. (laughs) And Victoria says, I keep waiting for the razor blade to, to show up in that candy. Or it was just sort of a kinder time for kids. Although not with the teachers. God, the teachers were mean. The teachers were terrible. (laughs) And in the seventies. And I thought too, that Victoria's emotional life, her thoughts and reactions became much more mature in a way, but it didn't feel at odds with her prior self. I didn't feel like, oh, all of a sudden she was a new person, but she did become immensely more likable. She did, but she still was kind of awful to her sister. And and I have to say, I admire Francine Pascal's willingness to make her so unflinchingly unlikable. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's a hard thing to do as yeah. a writer. And that's a know? choice. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I don't know about you, but I liked her by the end. Did you like did her too. by the end? I did like her by the end. And she learns to do the right thing, to do the honorable thing by the end. So there's definite redemption. There is, but it doesn't feel too preachy at all because she's not 100% reformed. Definitely. So yeah, so I think there are plenty of reasons why it resonated with you as a kid. I'm not sure it needs to come back. No. (laughs) In addition to the consent issues, the fat shaming, the slut shaming, like there's just a lot that's sick. Oh, terrible, (laughs) terrible. But I will say... That as a writer interested in kind of thinking about the mechanics of plot, Mm -hmm. having different story strands that reverberate and having a character who grows, especially for kids, a kid's book writer, having a character who grows but not going too far and having the kinds of issues that feel that they would be of interest to kids, obviously totally needs to be modernized. But I think if you were to do an analysis of the plot, you would not be deserved if you tried to follow those kinds of strands for a book. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Well, and she went on, Francine Pascal went on to just make gazillions, I assume. She knows what she's doing in terms of writing a book that's going to have mass appeal. Definitely. Well, I'm glad you had me read it. 
A, because it meant a lot to you as a kid, B, because (laughs) it makes for such a great partner with a certain hunger and the Ted Chiang short stories. Well, right, right. I was thinking like reading the Ted Chiang short stories with hanging out with Cece is like listening to the ring cycle of Wagner and, you know, call me maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Hilarious. Yeah. Okay, we can legitimately mock hanging out with CC, but I do have one more thing I want to say about it. I, I don't know what to say. It keeps provoking thoughts for me. I cannot let it go. Well, don't let it go. <laughs> don't let it go. Let it out, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> anyway, yes. Okay, don't let it go. Let it out. Here we go. So when Victoria is back in time with her mom at age 13, so her mom at that point is called Cece, that's her nickname, it turns out Cece is facing very similar issues as the one that Victoria is facing at age 13. Cece is rebellious. She has lots of tension in her relationship with her mom, who's actually Victoria's beloved grandmother. She's gotten in trouble herself at school, just like Victoria did. So you can see the past and the future talking to each other. Time isn't linear, it sort of loops back over itself, which is very reminiscent of one of the themes in the Ted Chiang story that's the basis of the movie Arrival. Okay, granted, like, Ted, Ted <laughs> Chiang says that I'm story. I'm, I'm with you so far. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, granted, like, that story was inspired by principles of variational physics. I don't think Francine Pascal has ever said that hanging out with Cece was inspired by principles of physics, but still I'm standing by the similarity. So hanging out with Cece, come for the tween drama, stay for the STEM. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that connection. I Only you would, would make that connection. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's really I'm, something I'm pondering. Anyway, that is it for this episode of the Book Dreams podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast and think someone else would too, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Be sure to let us know if there's a book-related topic you've wondered about, and we'll try looking into it in a future episode. You can reach us for that reason or any other at contact at bookdreamspodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at bookdreamspod and on Instagram at bookdreamspodcast. You can find Books with Brooks on Twitter at Books with Brooks and on Instagram at Books with Brooks. Many thanks to our producer, Gianfranco Lentini, and to our theme music composer, Maya Polsky. You can find Eve at eveyohallam.com and me at juliesternberg.com. And check out the podcast website, www.bookdreamspodcast.com. Until next time, happy book dreaming. Happy book dreaming. Come listen to Book Dreams with Julie and